Welcome, and thanks for listening to 9 in 10 News Focus, brought to you by Lake Effect Digital. I'm Kevin Essebeckers. We're really pretty good at handling the peak demand days. What's what's really different now is that we have fewer and fewer power plants in reserve to pick up some extra slack. In Michigan, we've been pretty lucky. Some places like California and Texas are notorious for power problems. We're talking rolling blackouts, brownouts, even grid failures. Well, now some utility providers in Michigan are sounding the alarm about their ability to provide reliable electricity. And there are several reasons for that. Tony Anderson is the general manager of Cherryland Electric Cooperative, and Eric Baker is the CEO of Wolverine Power. They're giving us an idea of just how serious a problem we could be headed for. So most of us, uh, when it comes to electricity and the grid and, and all that, the only thing we know is when we flip a switch, we expect the light to come on. And uh, there's so much that has to happen for that to happen. Uh, I just want to start with an overview of how our system is set up here. Um, and I, I think, Eric, we'll probably start with you just about the, the transmission and and. The, the grid, we hear about the grid, and what exactly is the grid in Michigan? Great, thanks. Uh, the, the grid is at, the, at the transmission level, is its job is to get power from large central station generation, typically, to the local substation where, uh, where Tony and Cherryland Electric can pick it up and then deliver it to, to their retail customers. And how interconnected is our grid, uh, our transmission system to really the rest of rest of the country? Extremely interconnected um, because transmission is designed to have multiple loops and multiple pathways so that it takes multiple bad things to happen to ever interrupt service to to a substation. Uh, Distribution circuits are typically designed as one-way paths, whereas transmission systems are typically designed as, as two-way paths, or in some cases, um, you know, even three and four-way paths so that you, you have multiple redundant um, connections. And on, in, in the United States, really everything um, east of the Rocky Mountains is a single, gigantic, very complex interconnected grid that's essentially Eastern Canada and the entire Eastern United States. So really international in a way, not just. Yeah, that's true. Okay. There's redundancy there to create a certain amount of reliability so that places like Cherryland Electric can then deliver that to the end user. Tony, uh, how much do you rely on Wolverine to make sure that that redundancy is in place? And then is there redundancy in your system as well to, to, try to make sure that the power stays on? Sure. Uh, Wolverine delivers to 16 substations in the Cherryland service territory. We take the power from there and distribute it to homes and businesses. If Wolverine's not doing its job, those substations have no power. And then I'm sitting here and there's nothing I can do but wait for Wolverine to power up those substations. So we absolutely 100% rely on Wolverine every day, every hour of every day. And if the substations lit up, then it's my responsibility beyond the substation to take care of the trees and vehicle damage or whatever happens to the, the power lines. And those outages are on, on us. Right. So on 
peak demand days on, on really hot days. And we've already had a taste of that uh, this year. Obviously, energy demand goes up. Eric, at the transmission level, what are you looking out for on those peak days? And what do you have to do to try and meet that demand? I think, I think uh, Tony and I have really the same uh, the same two basic needs that we need to keep customers in power are, are the size of the wires big enough to carry the amount of electrical demand that's on the grid at this particular moment. And whether that's lower voltage distribution like Tony has or, or high voltage transmission like Wolverine has, it's really the same principle is the, is the electric conductor big enough. And then the second bit of this is, is there generation um is there generation somewhere that is going to supply all the power needs right now i I think what makes the michigan co-ops unique is that we've invested very heavily in both the transmission and the distribution side and so we rarely have a a conductor limitation what we're worried about right now and very concerned with and paying attention to is is there enough generation to, to power the electric needs of, of Tony's customers and, and really all the customers in the, in the United States right now. So Tony, when, when you have a day where there is high demand, I mean, is there a point where you have to try to reduce that demand as opposed to rely on, on Wolverine to find more generation? There's a day in the future. We, we've not had those, that day come yet, but we have plans in place for that day. But so far, Wolverine's been able to, and the grid's been able to supply us enough energy. But Wolverine gets warnings from the grid, and they pass those warnings on to us. So we're in uh, close communication during those hot and high peak days. So this is the concern, right, is that one day, there's just not going to be the generation to meet the demand. Is that because uh, demand has kept rising and the generation hasn't kept up or is it because we're closing power plants? What, what is the, the root cause of the, of the concern here? I, I, I choose all of the above. You know, we've retired some coal plants and some nuclear. We haven't replaced them with an equivalent amount of generation. And then, yeah, our sales went up in the pandemic to levels we hadn't seen before. And they've stayed there in, they've risen in 21, risen in 22. You know, we're, we're adding people. You've been to Traverse City. There's construction all over the place. We, we have more people on our system than we've ever had at a time when we've got generation within the state and outside the state declining. Eric can put some better color on that. But. No, I, I totally agree with Tony. And, and it, I, I would add that this is not unique just to northern Michigan. This is happening across um, essentially the entire eastern United States, um, we expect our regional grid operator has already produced a forecast for load for next week because we have another heat wave coming in. And they're forecasting, we almost hit a record demand this last week and probably would have had an all-time record demand in the upper Midwest, but for some storms that came in 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 Minnesota, the same storm that ended up in Michigan. Um, but next week is forecasted to be even higher. So uh, short of some 
uh, storm will probably have an all-time record demand day for the entire upper Midwest uh, next week. And, and so electric demands are higher right now. It, it seems like you're saying that the, the peak, the number of like peak demand days, I don't know if that's the correct term, but the, the number of days where the demand is just pushing the limit, uh, that's happening more often now. Is that fair? It is, ha- it is happening more often. And Tony's point is, is really the, the one that is the most concerning to us is we're really pretty good at handling the peak demand days. What's, what's really different now is that we have fewer and fewer power plants in reserve to pick up some extra slack. And as we've retired plants and we've, we've converted we've replaced a lot of plants that have been shut down with intermittent resources, solar and wind. Um, we don't, we don't have the type of generation that we can rely on and just say, you know, start up that older unit and don't worry, the, the power will be there. It's very different today. And what we're often seeing on these really, really hot days is that wind dies down and we don't have, the amount of wind generation in the upper Midwest and that really strains reliability, particularly when we've retired a lot of older coal and gas and nuclear power plants uh, that we used to rely on. Yeah. And it's important to note that we, Wolverine has had wind farms since 2006. They're not new to the wind game. And so we know through years of history that July and August are the worst wind months of the year. And they're also the hottest. So is the effort to add more renewable energy generation into the mix, is that just not moving fast enough? Or is the effort to shut down fossil fuel generated power going too fast? Yes. I take Tony's line and use all of the above again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yes to both. So when we're in a situation where we need more generation and it's just not there, are we looking at a possible situ- a situation like, um, was it 2003 where so many states, like basically the whole Eastern seaboard was, yeah. was, was shut down. Is it, is it something at, at that level that, that we could face? That's what we're trying to avoid. The really the last step before what happened in 2003 would be rolling blackouts and, that's what happened in Texas and in February of 2021 is when the grid gets so close to voltage collapse, the last thing that you, you can do as a last ditch effort is to try to shed load manually. And that would be big chunks of load. Think of maybe four or five Cherryland substations at the same time, we would just have to take offline immediately as a last ditch effort to try to prevent a collapse across a wide area. The good news about our transmission systems are that they're interconnected. That allows us to lean on each other. The bad news is contagion can spread very, very quickly. And that is the last thing we want to happen because it could take days to restore that grid if, we, if, if that was to happen. So rolling, rolling blackouts are more likely uh, in, in this scenario how do you, how do you let people know that that's going to happen? And how does, how does that work? I mean, it's a, it's rolling. So it's, you know, is it a random thing or is there a plan in place and do people know about it? Yeah, there's absolutely a plan in place. And we've had a plan for years. We've never had to use it, 
we, we've certainly wiped off a considerable amount of dust over the last month off that plan and refined it. But we know which there's four feeders out of each substation, 16 substations, do the math. We know which feeders we can shut off when and in what order based on the load on each feeder. How we would notify people in the scenario where we get two hours notice, which we think is a typical scenario, we would use a Facebook, an email blast, and then we have a texting system where everybody's cell phone who we've got on record, we can text them that, hey, at, at four o'clock, you're gonna go out until six o'clock. And then we just roll through the system with those warnings. And so we're, we're set up to communicate it pretty quickly and we're better today than we were a year ago. What you're describing there, it sounds a lot like California. It, it does, but the point to remember for Michigan is we're just talking about a possibility. We're, we don't think it's a probability yet, and, but three to five years from now, maybe we would. But this summer, it's possible you get a storm. Eric can talk about how storms can affect the transmission line and the grid and if a power plant's down for maintenance. Right. I mean, you guys are sounding the alarm that this is a real possibility more so than in, in years past and something obviously needs to be done. Uh, Eric, what, what could uh, ease these concerns about reliability? What needs to happen? Well, I think the first thing is, is we're, you know, as particularly as electric cooperatives, our, our, our single and exclusive mission is to serve our customers. And so, um, you know, Tony and Sherilyn do a fantastic job communicating with their customers. And the first thing that we're trying to do is communicate and educate so that people are aware of this. Um, the second thing I would say is, is when we get to this point and the, the first step would be request for voluntary, they call it public appeal. Um, please pay attention to that this summer. If we say, can you turn up your air conditioning thermostat for a few hours this afternoon or or maybe um, take a few loads offline, um, please take that seriously because it could really make the difference um, of, of reducing the electric demand and uh, until the evening hour or later in the overnight when the, the electric consumption tends to be lower. Um, the last bit of that is we're pushing publicly, trying to slow down this, this rapid pace of of early power plant retirements. Um, the first wave of retirements were really retirements of coal plants that were very, very old and, and pretty inefficient. And we understand that. And frankly, we support that and applauded those decisions. But now there seems to be a, a terrifying race to shut down very, very efficient um, coal plants. And we're simply not ready to have them all go away. Uh, Michigan just lost its uh, one of its three nuclear plants, and it's probably permanently retired at the end of May. And we're not ready to lose one or two more of our large coal plants yet. I think we will be in a decade, but we're not on the pace that I think others are proposing, and that unsettles us. Right. So, you, well, you mentioned for the end user asking them to adjust their lifestyle a little bit to, uh, to help you out there. Timing is a big part of this, right? I mean, you can wait to charge things. You can wait to do laundry. You can, there are things that us end users can, can do to address this to a point. 
I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, the demand and why why is it rising now? I mean, it seems like there's been a, a, a big effort to get everyone to switch over to LED lighting and more efficient everything. And yet here we are and demand is rising. Any any ideas of, of, of why that is? Is it just simply population growth? It, it, it's another... I hate to keep using the all of the above thing, but, but it is, it's the population has grown and now we have the work from home thing where there's more people working from home than ever before. And uh, more people coming from, there's 17 direct flights from Traverse city to different parts of the country during the summertime. There's people from all over the country coming to Northern Michigan in the summertime. We didn't have that 20 years ago. So it, and then there's air conditioning. 20 years ago, if you talk to a builder, they hardly ever put in air conditioning. Now every builder, every house has got air conditioning. And so there's far more demand on our system than ever before. And again, at a time when generation is going down. Think of the number of electric powered devices that are in our home today, not just electronics, which are very significant, um, televisions and phone chargers and iPad chargers and computers and, and all of that, but then think of the garage items um, to categorize that the, the leaf blowers and lawnmowers now and, and drills and, and things that we used to plug in are now battery powered. And, and, and those, those devices are still plugged in quite regularly, even if they're not being used. And, and so it's, it's, it's filling up the tank with a lot of little drops of, of, of demand, but um Work from home in particular has been a very pronounced shift in, in electric consumption for cooperatives because we tend to serve areas where that are really beautiful and people love living in, in northern Michigan and rural Michigan. And now we have a lot more people spending more time during the day at their homes, which then increases the air conditioning that Tony referred to. And it's, it's really this compounding effect of all of these things. And we really don't see that changing in the next five years meaningfully. We've already, we've already taken advantage of a lot of the low-hanging fruit for LED lights and um, more efficient appliances. And, and now this is just really a conversion to more electric consumption. Yeah, and add to that mix now, a major push by automakers to only produce electric vehicles. And you know, they've, they've set target dates for that. That has got to be a, a concern as well as more people are driving I mean, these are big batteries that you've got to charge and you're adding that to the system, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a two-edged sword there. If, if you, I, I'm in favor of electric cars. Do they cause a problem as far as energy demand on the grid? Yes, but you can easily charge an electric car outside of the peak. A typical residential home at Cherryland, our peak is going to be from 5 to 8 p.m., maybe 4 to 8 p.m. at the most. You can charge that car from 8 to eight in the morning and not have a big impact on the grid, but the revenue at the co-op is gonna go up, which is gonna allow me to offset costs for other things that are we're dealing with, you know, rebates for energy efficiency, appliances, and keeping rates down for the low income people. Electric cars are gonna be a big benefit to keeping stable rates in the years ahead. So we have to figure out the problem. Yeah, a little problem. I think we can control when they're charged. Right. Okay. So timing once again comes into play with with that. Finally, just a, kind of a timeline um, 
about the concern over the, the reliability of, of our power. I mean, this seems like it's going to take a while to address and maybe it's not getting the attention that it, it needs to be getting right now to get things in motion to address it. I think what we're, what we're asking for first and foremost is slow down. Um, we need time to figure out this conversion. Uh, this conversion, we know our grid is moving to more and more intermittent resources, more solar, more wind. That's inevitable, and and frankly, not only are we supportive of that as Michigan cooperatives, we've been leaders in that. We're super proud of that. We're we had the first commercial scale wind project in Michigan. We're leaders in carbon free portfolio, and we see this as a natural evolution and a really healthy one. It's the pace of this change that we think is preventable. We can slow down. We can slow down some of the forecasted retirements of our of our coal units, in particular, to give us time to make this transition in a way that doesn't jeopardize reliability for Tony's customers. Yeah, and I want to pile on there and give Wolverine credit. Twenty years ago, our renewable portfolio was what less than two percent. And today, our renewable portfolio is 20%, carbon-free portfolio is 62%. So we're not two utility guys here saying, don't build wind and solar. We're saying, do it sensibly and in a measured fashion. Well, but- it's, it's clear that a lot of work needs to be done to, to address the issue. Uh, Tony Anderson from Cherryland Electric and Eric Baker from Wolverine Power, thanks for taking the time. You're Thank welcome. You. Thanks for having us. And thank you for listening. I hope you join me again as we take a closer look at issues in the news affecting northern Michigan. 9 in 10 News Focus is brought to you by Lake Effect Digital.